Bovine Banter with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. I'm Emily Fred, and I'm a dairy educator based in Union County, PA. Joining us today is Dr. Sarah Morrison, who is a research scientist at the W.H. Minor Agricultural Research Institute in Shazy, New York. Please tell us about yourself and your role at Minor Institute, Dr. Morrison. Hello, Emily. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I am a research scientist at Minor Institute, which is in the very top of northern New York. Been there for about five years. Originally, I grew up on my family's dairy farm in Vermont before going to University of Vermont for undergraduate. And then I headed out to University of Illinois for my graduate program where I researched dairy calf nutrition and health before coming back to Minor about five years ago. In my role as a research scientist, I conduct different nutrition and management studies, work with different companies to evaluate feed additives, as well as other grant funding sources that help to evaluate different nutrition and management concepts. We work within lactating cows, calves, heifers, and I've even gotten into some of the methane mitigation research lately. In my role, we also have different outreach and education aspects of that. We have interns, grad students, and different undergraduate programs as well. Thank you for that introduction. So today we're going to be talking about calf nutrition. What are the most important aspects of the calf nutrition program? Yes. So there's a couple of different things I think about. And the first is really setting your goals for your program. And then you can kind of identify the parts of the nutrition program that will help to meet those goals. So the first one is obviously in that early pre-weaning program, we want to make sure that we get good quality colostrum as some of those first meals. But then thinking about what type of milk or milk replacer we might feed to meet our growth targets for our animals, as well as the starter that we're feeding those. And something that's often forgotten, I think, in terms of requirements is water. So that's something that I, I like to talk about a lot as it fits into many aspects of the nutrition program. But those three are really the big parts of making a successful calf nutrition program. Some of the other things I think about is not only the nutrition part of the what we're feeding those calves, but also the management, how we're feeding those calves, and how the different environmental or housing conditions are affecting the success or failure of those programs. So one thing I think is important to keep in mind when feeding calves, especially milk or milk replacer, is that we're not feeding traditional requirement of a volume. Like we don't feed in quarts or liters. We're really feeding the number, the amount of solids that we're trying to feed those calves. So we need to kind of get past talking about feeding calves in terms of a volume. We need to really get down to how much energy and protein they need to meet their growth requirements and also their maintenance requirements. Those are really good points. What are some things you look for in a good quality milk replacer? So when I'm evaluating milk replacers, I'm considering what amount of protein and energy that that milk replacer would provide and at the feeding rate that I would want to provide it to meet my growth goals for those calves. So I'd be asking questions about how much protein and fat are in the milk replacer. I'd also want to see how well the milk replacer mixes and how well the calves tolerate it, if they're able to consume it and seem to look good when they're consuming it. 
And then another question I might have if I'm looking to evaluate different milk replacers would be what type of protein might be included into the milk replacer? Is it a milk-based protein or is it maybe a plant-based protein? There's been a lot of research that has looked at both sources and they can be effective. But I think if you're considering maybe a cheaper alternative and there's some plant-based proteins in there, your youngest calves might not use them, might not digest them as well as some of our older animals. And then as part of that, you might need to consider some amino acid balancing to really meet the requirements of those calves if you're kind of trading off on those different protein sources. So would you suggest when shopping around for milk replacers, you know, just starting off with one bag of it and see how calves do and then, you know, purchase a larger quantity? Yeah, I think if you're trying to figure out which milk replacer might work best for you, maybe feeding a couple calves on it, depending on how many calves you're feeding at one time or trying it for a certain amount of time to see how well it does mix and how well the calves kind of do on that milk replacer, I think would be a good option before kind of buying a full pallet of milk replacer or getting completely on board with that milk replacer. Okay, thank you. Here in Pennsylvania, many farmers feed waste milk to their calves. What advice would you have for them? So waste milk can be a good source of nutrition for calves. It obviously has different parts that meet the requirements of the calves in terms of the protein and fat that those calves are producing, right? Calves are designed to make milk that is supposed to go to calves. So it should reflect their requirements quite well. I think the challenge with waste milk is that depending on which cows are contributing to that waste milk, there can be extreme variability. Even if you're pulling from the bulk tank and it's saleable milk, if you're not careful about mixing the milk before taking something for the calves, it might have high fat one day and then the next day it's really low. Or if you're talking about cows that have been treated for mastitis or maybe have a high somatic cell count, those cows are not really keeping a consistent amount of fat or protein. So I think that's the challenge. If we're talking about feeding a certain amount of solids, fat and protein to a calf to meet her growth requirements, can't really depend on that being consistent when using a waste milk. And there's been different research that has looked at what variability of solid intake does to calves. So an example would be one study fed a consistent amount of milk replacer, and in this case, they were feeding milk replacer to achieve this, to calves. And then the other treatment was that they would feed varying amounts, but the overall amount of solids that they consumed over the same time period was the same. But the calves that were on the inconsistent diet grew less and ate less starter. So I think the consistency part of waste milk is a challenge and might maybe hinder what those calves' potential might be. Okay. When should farmers start feeding calf starter and how much should they feed? For every amount of time that calves are offered calf starter, they'll essentially double their intake every week. So I think it's important to offer calf starter from three days of age or that first week of life. They might not consume a lot, but you want to encourage that intake early on and encourage them to explore that feed stuff. The goal would be that we want them to consume about four and a half pounds of starter for three consecutive days by the time that they're weaned. 
So if you can help facilitate that and get them to that point earlier in life, they'll be more successful through the weaning period. Some of the starter intake will be dependent on how much milk or milk replacer they're being offered. So if you're offering higher amounts of milk or milk replacer, they won't consume starter as early. They kind of cap out at about two and a half percent of body weight for total solids. So if the majority of that's coming from milk or milk replacer, they're going to be delayed in how much starter they're consuming. So you're going to have to take that into account when looking and evaluating at what point you should be weaning. Okay, thank you. What qualities are essential in a calf starter? So I think there's two things. The nutritional composition, we want to make sure that we're formulating that starter to meet their growth requirements and kind of matching that to what's being consumed in the milk feeding program. A lot of that will be coming from the crude protein in the milk or milk replacer. We try to match it in a way to how much is in the starter so that we can meet those growth requirements. But obviously, we want to make sure that we're getting digestible and palatable ingredients in that starter. So corn, barley, oats, soybean meal. There may be flavor scents that we want to include in starters to help get them more apt to eat that starter, make sure that it's palatable. Different programs have made pelleted or textured starter successful, so I think it just depends on what works for the farm. Obviously, we're trying to create ruminants, so trying to get something that will stimulate some rumination, I think, is good in terms of helping to develop the rumen. But also, if you're feeding a pellet and that works, maybe incorporating some hay that's chopped or a limited amount might be helpful in stimulating that rumination behavior. So I know there's different recommendations about when you should, you know, start feeding a forage or hay to calves. When do you suggest starting that? So I think the important thing from a hay feeding standpoint is that we're not displacing starter intake to a point that it's going to negatively impact their growth. You might think that they're growing because they get that big hay belly, but really we want that muscle and frame growth. So I think you can incorporate it in kind of a limited amount and monitor starter intake. And as long as they're consuming your targeted starter intake, I think it's okay. And like I mentioned, depending on the particle size of the the starter, it may be important to give them a little bit of that scratch factor. But depending on the starter formulation, you might not need a hay necessarily to help facilitate that rumen development. Okay, that makes sense. When do you suggest farmers start to wean their calves? So weaning, there's not really a one size fits all, but you have to kind of look holistically at your program and kind of evaluate how well your calves are doing up until the point that you would like to wean them. If you're feeding higher amounts of milk or milk replacer, you may have to work to kind of step those animals gradually off of milk or milk replacer to help get that starter intake increase before weaning, or you might have to delay the weaning age. So it's a little bit of dependent on what your milk feeding program is. But I think the the key parts of that is evaluating how much starter they're consuming before weaning. So you want that four and a half pounds per day for three consecutive days. If your calves aren't reaching that target, then you might need to consider dropping milk or milk replacer amounts down earlier, or you might have to extend the age at which you're weaning. 
There's also other things like pair housing or social situations where calves have been observed to start eating starter earlier. So that might help facilitate weaning if that is a challenge to kind of see their friend eating starter uh, and they're more willing to go do that as well. That's interesting. How should you change a calf eating program based on the seasons? For example, when it is very hot or very cold. Yeah, so the calves are most comfortable. They won't expend extra energy between the range of 59 degrees and 72 degrees for our youngest calves less than three weeks of age. So when you start getting outside of those temperatures, which at least in the North Country here, we're certainly getting into colder weather and thinking about cold stress conditions. When we're talking about cold stress that's going to increase their maintenance requirement. That's going to be a higher energy demand. So I might look to feed a winter blend for a milk replacer or make sure that I'm trying to manage the microclimate of that calf, right? We can't change the weather outside, but we can kind of manage the exposure of those calves to certain weather conditions. So I can think about the nutrition program, but also the management of those calves and using those two in combination to kind of minimize the impact that those cold weather conditions might have on the animal. And the same applies for heat stress conditions. But certainly in cold stress conditions, I might offer more milk feedings per day to help increase the total amount of solids that I'm offering. Or I might increase the concentration of the milk replacer if I'm feeding a milk replacer. I wouldn't get much above 15% solids for milk replacer feeding, especially in cold weather conditions, it's harder to get water in front of those animals. So we want to make sure that they have access to water or encouraging that starter intake, right? As they start to increase more starter intake, that kind of starts to generate that rumen fermentation and will expand their thermal neutral zone. And then we're not thinking about it necessarily right now, but in heat stress conditions, trying to minimize those conditions, it's a little bit harder to, to manage the requirement change of those animals. They do have an increased requirement for that heat abatement, um, but they're less willing to consume extra food, right? They're not as willing to go out and eat more starter or milk replacer because it's hot and they don't want to do that. So in terms of feeding from a nutritional standpoint, it's a little bit harder in heat stress conditions compared to cold stress conditions. I think an important part in both of those situations is providing water. So in heat stress, we want to make sure they have access to water. But also in winter months, we want to make sure that we have water in front of those calves at least a couple times of day. So if you're able to offer at least two quarts, maybe they'll consume that right after milk feeding. And if you can come back in the middle of the day, offer it again. If we offer warm water, calves are more likely to drink it and it will help encourage starter intake as well. So they're probably going to consume that two quarts of warm water, whereas if it was cold, they might not consume it as well. Do you have any take-home messages for our audience? My take-home message would be to identify your goals and keep those in mind as you're working with your young stock and make sure that you continually evaluate that whether it's quarterly, when the seasons change to make sure you're meeting those goals of doubling birth body weight or a certain amount of starter intake around weaning. I think taking weights is a really important way to evaluate how well your calf program 
is doing to meet those goals, either through a tape or a scale. I think both would give you at least an indication of how well you're meeting those benchmarks. There is different low-cost scales that can be used, so it might seem that it would be a big investment, but even $500 can get a good snapshot of how well your CAF program is doing and certainly evaluate as seasons change. If we're getting into winter seasons, making sure that you're addressing the nutritional needs of those calves and kind of look holistically at your program, right? See where your bottlenecks are, where you can help kind of chip away at your goals to meet those benchmarks. Thank you, Dr. Morrison, for talking with us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you have any further questions regarding this topic, you can email me at evf5337 at psu.edu. Thank you.